Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. Well, good evening again. My name is Pete, and uh, Pete Gatto, and I'm glad to be here with everyone tonight as we spend this evening and this time reflecting upon the depths of God's love through the cross. Um, Tonight, my goal is to help us to just be able to reflect and engage with God's love as we focus and reflect upon three questions and one response. And so I pray that you're blessed as a result of our time opening up the word as much so as we were with that incredible worship. And uh, I'm just looking forward to our time and just uh, trusting with you in the Lord. Um, Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the power, and all the praise. We thank you for the loving God that you are. We give you, Lord Jesus, all the glory. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your finished work, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the victory that you've won and that we have in you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So I think for me, you know, uh, a big part of my journey and uh, a big part of, the, of what my life is about on a daily basis today is trying to, to be in touch with, to grow in, to learn more and more as much as I can and experience the love and the depths of God's love in my life. And I, I would imagine that there's a few of us sitting in these seats tonight, too, who feel the same way, that our pursuit is to live in this intimate relationship with our Creator and to, uh, to know that love and to experience His unconditional love. And so for me, what that looks like a lot of the times is, uh, I, if you haven't already uh, heard me say some of these terms, uh, the few times I've spoken, I like to go on walks. I like to go on hikes. I like to go out into the woods and spend time alone with God. Now, a few years ago, I was uh, getting ready to prepare a message on God's love. And so I thought it'd be a good idea for me to take a book that I'd read before and touched me before in regards to God's love. So I got my, I've got that little book. I got my little chair that I sit on out in the woods and my little backpack. And I headed out onto the woods with the desire and the goal to understand and experience God's love. I I wanted to open myself up to the Lord to speak to me and to help me to see and experience his love on a deeper level. That was my goal. That was my mission that morning. And so I I found myself, you know, uh, in my space and I sat down and I began to just meditate a little bit, just pray a little bit. And then I opened up this book that I had brought with me uh, that uh, is written by an author I love. His name's Henry Now, and it's called In the Name of Jesus. And in that book, he talks a lot about God's first love. So his encouragement in the, uh, that, uh, that he gave to me that morning when I opened up the book was to meditate on, a, on three questions. And we're in a series on questions, so I think this fits right in. And the questions are questions that we're familiar with. These are questions I know that someone's going to teach a little bit more about uh, following Christ's resurrection, but these are the questions that Jesus asked Peter after he rose from the dead. And met him out on the beach. 
around that fire. And we know Jesus asked Peter three times. He looked Peter in the eyes three times, sat with him there in that intimate space and said, do you love me? You know, Peter responded and he asked him, do you love me? And then a third time, Peter, do you love me? And so the writer said, take some time and meditate on those three questions. Peter, do you love me? And so I took my time and sat there and in that space out in the woods by myself with a desire to grow in my understanding in the depth of God's love. And I began to personalize those words and, and to try my best to, to receive them in my heart and honestly and sincerely respond. And so there I was, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And an answer arose from within my heart as I evaluated my heart before God that morning, that afternoon. And as I sat there in that space with God, the answer was no. I don't love you, Lord. When I think about the perfect love of God and I look at my love and expression toward him, I realize that my love is very broken. I realize that my love is a love that's double-minded. I realize that there are things in my life that I place before God. And my response to the Lord in that moment was, I was deeply convicted that my love falls so far short of the love that Jesus poured out into my life. And, um, and so I packed my stuff up in my bag and I walked down the trail and I was downcast. I felt like I just came out here in my most sincere effort to get in touch with God's love. And all I walk away with is this deeper understanding of my own flawed and shallow love and attempts toward loving him. So I get in my car and I start driving back to my house. And then all of a sudden, it was like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. This scripture just came to mind, and we're going to focus in on it a little bit. And here's what God spoke to me as I was driving back. Peter, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It was, it was like, it was like the first time I met Jesus kind of a moment. All of a sudden, 
the whole, the whole, all the plates shifted, and I realized again that God's love for me, the depths of his love, the full extent of his love toward me and any of his children is not contingent upon the quality or the depth of my love. But from the beginning, it was always him. He first loved me. And everything that I could comprehend or understand about love would come from the realization, not, not from my own broken love, but be, because of his love as it's extended toward me and revealed to me as a human being. That's, the, that's what I understand, how I understand and connect with the love of God. And um, so it was a deep question, you know, do you love me? And the fact of the matter is when I put all my shields down and I stop trying to defend myself and I get down to just me and God, the fact of the matter is, yes, without God's love and apart from his love, I'm utterly hopeless. But I'm so grateful that he first loved us and gave himself for us. That's all about his love at work in our lives. And this morning, you know, this morning, it's after this evening, 739, um, you know, we're going to focus in a little bit more on the pinnacle of this love as it's expressed to us through the cross. And I pray that in some way it helps you to get in touch with God's love. I mean, what an, what a, what a, what an awakening for me. What a great moment for me, you know, in this journey, sometimes I realize that I'm actually counting on some of the stuff I do. I'm actually counting on some of the way I approach God and the way I express myself to him to be that which kind of earns his favor in my life. And but God continually brings me back to the reality that apart from his finished work upon the cross, I have nothing. I am nothing apart from his love. And when I'm in that space and I realize that it's not up to me and that it's all been extended to me is when I'm walking in the freedom of that love and I'm experiencing love on a deeper level. We are loved by God. And as a result, we get to experience that love in the depths of our hearts through the finished work of the cross. Amen? So that was our first set of questions. Now we're going to go into question number two here. As, as many of you know who are, have been here over the past few weeks that Pastor Nathan and other pastors in the church have been working on bringing us through a series on questions. So the question that we're actually at tonight in that series comes out of John 19, 8 through 11. And it's a question that Pilate uh, post to Jesus, that I think once again, that this question is kind of like a doorway, an opening to a depth, to the depths of God's love for us when we look at this question. So Cher just read through here so beautifully, um, but here we are in John 19, 8 through 11. Here's, here is what's, uh, what's going on. Let me read through this. When Pilate heard this, actually that Jesus had claimed to be the son of God, when Pilate heard this, that Jesus claimed to be the son of God, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace, and he starts asking Jesus these questions. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus. 
But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? So that's the question we're going to just focus in a little bit on. The last question. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And then Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. As we begin to look at the questions, like, and as I look at this particular question here, this question also begins to open us up to the depths of God's love. And the fact that he first loved us and that he gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. You know, here's Pilate's question, you know. Don't you realize that I have the power to either set you free or crucify you? Obviously, Pilate's not able to see in that moment that love had determined long before the foundations of the earth that he would lay himself down for the world. And so when, when Pilate's going, hey, don't you realize I have authority over you, your life, what happens here in this moment? Like I could either give you freedom or take your life. Jesus is like, He's moving and working and carrying out and in the space of a plan that goes all the way back to eternity where love had decided long before the foundations of the earth that love would come into the world, become nothing, empty himself and give himself up and lay his life down. You know, this really kind of, when I think about this and I reflect upon this, It brings me in touch with God's nature and his kind of the, I kind of call it the eternal I give of God. I give, you know. We look through the scripture, look at John 3.16. He says, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? God is in his nature a giver. He continues to give Life flows out from him moment by moment, day by day. He continues to give himself away to you and I in every fashion and form that we possibly could imagine. Even in this very moment, if it wasn't for his love, if he ceased to love us in this moment, we would not be here. Our very presence in this room is, is, a, uh, you know, is a sure uh, example or extension, the reality that God is love and that love is pouring itself into us moment by moment, day by day. And so no one takes something from God. Pilate, the devil, myself, God is a giver. And he gives and he gives himself away. We are the receivers of God's love, the recipients of God's love. And so that question, hey, hey, look, I have the power to free you. I have the power to crucify you. Guess what? No, you don't. The son of man lays down his life for his friends. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In John 10, 18, it says, no one, Jesus is speaking about this. He goes, no one takes it from me. No one takes my life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. It is his, so if I hope you capture, can capture a little bit of this. I've been focusing in and meditating on this for, for a few days, but it's incredible. God gives himself away. Love incarnate gives itself away. God willingly laid down his life. And when we look at the cross, we see him willingly emptying himself and giving himself away. He gave himself away that he might give himself to us. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he gave himself, that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And I know it's a very basic truth, but it's so profoundly deep when we get a hold of this, that love gave itself away. You know, Paul speaks to this in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, or I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. The cross is this moment in history and time where the incarnate word of God, where love incarnate is giving itself away to humanity, a broken and lost world. This is that moment where he gives himself away in love, unconditional, no strings attached, fierce love that fights for us and gives itself away. The final questions we're going to focus on a little bit uh, has to do with the last few moments of Jesus' life here on earth, which uh, once again reveal to us the depths and the extent of God's love. I would imagine that this could be called the darkest day ever, all throughout eternity. That moment when Jesus cried out to the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As far as I understand it, this is the only question that Jesus ever asked the Father throughout the Gospels. Yet it's one more question that unlocks and opens up our eyes, tears back the veil of God's infinite love for us. In Matthew 27, 45 through 46, it says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. I believe it's the darkest day ever. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, we, we hear a lot about the crucifixion. We hear a lot about the pain and the suffering. And there's been many studies that have been done on the extent of the pain and suffering that Jesus went through at Calvary. 
And, and every single bit of the pain that he went through is, is, a, is, an, is kind of like a pinhole opening to the extent of his love for us. Because every single bit of that pain is where love went for you and me. So we know, right, the crucifixion, it's one of the most barbaric forms of execution ever used throughout human history. The pain and the suffering of the cross puts Jesus far beyond his human limits. And we know that nothing could compare, though, to the immeasurable pain of his separation from the Father. As he who had no sin became sin for us. And he tasted and entered into the abyss of forsakenness. That was the greater pain that Jesus went through. Everything that he went through on the cross, he was identifying with us in our humanity. He was identifying with every single form of abuse and violence on the cross as he was rejected and nailed to the tree. He was, he was um, identifying himself with our sense of forsakenness as humanity separated from God. He was identifying with us in every way, and he entered into a space of forsakenness that even though we taste it here, for him it was entering into a space of forsakenness which had no boundaries. It was the perfect expression, the full weight of forsakenness that he entered into, and he tasted the separation between himself and God. You know, forsakenness can be defined as unseen, unknown, unheard, invisible. If that's the case, Jesus experienced the greatest pangs of our human experience while he was on Calvary in that moment of forsakenness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Then in Luke 23, 46, we see Jesus' response in this space where nothing, nothing was held back from, from his fully experiencing the full weight of all of the sin of humanity upon himself. Nothing was held back from this, this depths, this deep, un, immeasurable depths of forsakenness and, and separation with the Father. None of it was held back. He, he was experiencing the fullness of it in a way that we could barely under, understand. And there, yet in that moment, we read these words. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until, there, until three in the afternoon. For the, stu- the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. This is such a beautiful picture of love surrendering itself completely to the Father. The cross is all about surrender, right? This was the biggest trust fall that ever happened. You ever been in a trust fall, right? 
be like me lining up over here back to you guys. There'd be a bunch of people here and they'd say, okay, Peter, you just let go. And I'm trusting that there's going to be somebody there to pick me up or that they're going to be able to sustain me. Well, this was a trust fall like no other. Here is Jesus in the midst of this unfathomable space of pain and suffering and sorrow, the full weight of sin upon his shoulders, the, the, the full plate of forsakenness that he is, he is uh, you know, taking in. And God is nowhere to be found. And his response is, into your hands, I commit my spirit. It's, it's, uh, it's breathtaking for me to think about that. Love surrendered itself in its darkest hour. In the pain of rejection and physical violence and abuse, in the pain of abandonment and separation, there is the absolute emptying of himself. And there he surrenders himself into the loving arms of the Father. I've been carrying this with me all week. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. This is one of the most beautiful, complete acts of surrender that we could ever even possibly imagine. And so we think, I think about the circumstances of my life. I think about the pain and the suffering in my own life. I think about the pain of loss and grief in my life. I think about the, 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 the moments when I feel unseen, unheard, and alone. And I'm just saying, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Even when he seems like there, he's not able to be found, even when I don't feel heard, Father, into my hands, I commit. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. The depths of God's love. I'm not sure where you're at tonight, but it's a beautiful night for us to take our own personal trust fall. Take everything that is within us in this moment, all of who we are, and just lean into the love that will never leave us or forsake us. Amen? That's why Jesus came. He came to meet us in the reality of our humanity with his unconditional love. How are you doing? If God was to ask you today, do you love me? Where would it put you? If you were to begin to focus a little bit on the concept of Jesus giving himself for you, do you receive that? And when you cry out in your darkest hour, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know that the loving arms of God are there to catch you even when you don't see him, even when you can't feel him, even when it feels like the world is falling apart? I pray that you experience that all the more as we go into a time of worship and into communion. May we not take the elements tonight, but may we, re may we reflect and remember that they are given to us. Amen. God bless you.
would you stand one more time as we sing the wonderful cross?
that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies, so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. You can be seated. At this time in our service, we're going to celebrate communion together. The crucifixion of Jesus was so pivotal that he gave us not simply the words of Scripture to remember, but along with that, he instructed his followers for all time to take a piece of bread, to take a cup of juice, and when we take that, to remember the broken body of Jesus and his poured out blood. And so in a minute, I'm going to invite you to move to one of the stations and take a cup of juice, take a wafer back with you to your seat. Just a couple of thoughts and instructions to do that. If you're new to Southridge, it's not important to us that you be official member of Southridge to participate in communion. Communion was simply given to those who trust Jesus as their Savior. And so what we do ask is that you have made a commitment to embrace the death of Jesus as payment for your sin, as the means by which you can receive the forgiveness of God and come into his presence. And so that's the only requirement that we ask. And if you've never done that before, even now would be a great moment to do that. To simply confess in your heart that you fall short of God's glory. That his death on the cross is payment 
for the darkness, the evil, the sinfulness, the wickedness of your hearts and to embrace his forgiveness. And so that's what we simply ask for you in terms of requirement to take and to participate in communion. If you've been around Southridge all throughout the epidemic, we've kind of wrestled with this. And uh, so we've got a couple of things tonight. Uh, for the last two years, we've used the prepackaged little components of the wafer and the juice. If you're more comfortable with that, uh, there's little packets at each one of the stations. There's three up here. There's uh, two on each side of me and one on the center. There's three in the aisles. There's one in the corner of the balcony over here. And so you can take one of the prepackaged grape juices and wafers back with you if, if that's what you prefer. If we prefer to take a cup of juice and a wafer, uh, there's that at each station as well. And so you can take that if you prefer to take communion that way. If you prefer something that's gluten-free, uh, the two on the ends are gluten-free crackers. So please be aware of that. Anyone is certainly willing or able to participate and take that. You don't need to require gluten-free to participate in that, but just if you do need uh, something that's gluten-free, those stations are gluten-free, the one over here and the one over there. I'm going to ask you to take the cup of juice and the wafer back to your seat. Hold it in your hand, and then I'll do a little bit, bit of reflection, and then a little bit we'll take it together. I'm going to ask us to dismiss in sections. And so maybe this section over here to my left and the far right, you guys can stand and move to one of the stations. Uh, this section here, you can stand and move to one of the sections back and then you can go. And so while the, the music plays, uh, take the elements back to your seat and um, continue to reflect and meditate. side section go and this section can go.
in John chapter 6, these are John's words. After Jesus performed miracles of feeding thousands, here's what he said. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood remains in me, and I in them. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And so as you hold the wafer and the juice in your hand, Jesus says, he is ultimately the bread. Eat from him. He's ultimately the life. Drink of his blood. When we eat, that which we eat or drink gets absorbed into every cell in our body. It permeates through us. And so Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, the love that Pete talked about tonight is to permeate our beings. It's to saturate who we are. It's to penetrate in every aspect of our beings. We eat Jesus' flesh. We drink his blood metaphorically, meaning we drink, we eat of his forgiveness. It becomes our life. We eat and drink deeply of relationship with the Father in heaven. It's what makes us tick. It's who we are. It's part of who we become. So I'm just going to give you a moment to meditate, and then I'll lead you in taking the elements together. But in a moment, as Sam plays, just take some time to reflect. Thank God for his sacrifice. Confess sin. Drink in the reality of the forgiveness that comes through the death of Jesus. So Jesus... Help me to eat and drink deeply of you. Take a moment and do that where you're seated.
let's eat and drink of Jesus' body, his blood poured out. Let's eat and drink this together. Father, we gather together this evening. We eat of your body. We drink of your blood. nourished by your life. May we be nourished by your love, your forgiveness, your grace, your presence with us. May you be the one gives us life. May you be the one that nourishes our soul. Thank you for your gracious sacrifice, your death, your broken body, your blood. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and everyone who agreed said, Amen. So we're going to sing one last song. It's called uh, My Victory. Maybe some of you don't know it, but uh, whatever you're comfortable with, if you want to stand, if you want to sit, worship with us. I just uh, invite you to do that now.
Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. And so Jesus is laid in the tomb as the closing verse of John 19. We hope you join us Saturday or Sunday for John chapter 20. Have a great night and God bless.